Larry. Frank, what up, buddy? How's it going? Where are you? Um, I'm actually, I locked myself in my movie room because all the dogs will go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got that, that dark, ominous lighting. It's like you're in the Bat Cave. Yeah, I like it. That's better than the movie room. I'm going to use Bat Cave from now on. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for asking me to do it. Um, it's something that I've only been able to really speak with our staff and, and a handful of other people about, but I think it's awesome to have other platforms to be able to discuss it and give different points of view. Yeah, I mean, um, I followed you for so long, and I think we originally met through Facebook, and, you know, just the things that you share just in your general life and, and your come up and all these different things have helped me immensely, and I just think that the more people that can hear your story, where you're at, how you handle things, your daily mindset, all that stuff, I think that you have nothing but positive things to offer people. So I, I, I'm going to spread this out as much as I possibly can because I think you have a tremendous, tremendous amount of things to offer people. Awesome. Thank you so much for saying that. I mean, that's a big reason why I share a lot was kind of when I had met or become friends with you on Facebook, I had started sharing more. Um, but for a long time, I just kind of kept my head down and just focused on on work. Um, and then I started to realize that when I was younger, uh, you know, before social media, I don't want to date myself too much, but there wasn't there definitely wasn't social media. And the the people that I saw that were doing well or that were sharing knowledge weren't anything like me. So they were people that would come to speak at my school that were talking about SAT scores. And for me, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be in school for the next few months. So it just never, it never really resonated with me. So once I started doing, uh, doing a little bit better and finding myself, I realized that when I would speak to a friend or somebody else and they would, they would be able to relate to that perspective, they found some, they took something from it. So at that point, I started sharing more and connecting more on social media because I felt that it actually could have some sort of impact. Big time. I mean, just for me personally, and I'll get into that in a minute, but I mean, how, so how would I, how would you introduce yourself to, to everybody here? Like, what would you say? Like, who is Larry and, and what do you do? Because I know when I first met you and where you're at now, it is such an amazing drastic, because I think I knew you when you had like one gym. Yeah. And now you have yep. this franchise business that is just, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way I explain myself isn't very good because uh, anytime anybody meets me, they ask what I do and I say I'm a trainer. And so, uh, you know, they're always after a little while, they're like, wow, we didn't realize that you had all this. So I'm not real good at the, the formal introduction of it normally. Uh, my voicemail, if you call it, still says, hey, I might be with a client training. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, now is, you know, we're a three-time Inc. 5000 company. We were said to be the third fastest growing privately held company in all of Los Angeles. Um, we have locations from Texas to Las Vegas, all through California to Florida. Um, we made the Entrepreneur Magazine's top new franchise list, uh, a bunch of stuff like that. So over the last few years, it's been incredibly crazy. Um, I tell people it's like waking up and I, I feel like I'm putting on somebody else's shoes and standing in somebody else's house because it just doesn't, it doesn't feel real. Um, but I guess that kind of happens when you, when you have your head down long enough and you grind long enough, there is that point where you kind of look up and, uh, and you kind of accomplish something and it feels a little bit crazy. Yeah. And I know, um, I follow a bunch of people on social media and they, and they talk about what, um, what you're talking about is like called the come up, like where you started to where you're at now. And, um, I, you did a podcast that was an amazing podcast. It was really long, but the, the information that you put out during that podcast was just, it was like, it was priceless. And you talked about how you worked in a gym and you, you know, you knew people that worked in a gym and that there was this whole subset of a business inside of these large gyms that the large gyms were basically ignoring. 
You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And 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 then how you started in the you know just a park. You just started in a park, and yeah. you started hustling and handing out flyers and just talking to people. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, even that podcast, um, he had had me on, and he does basically interviews with like he's done the this several CEOs from Twenty Four Hour Fitness, LA Fitness all of the top people in the fitness industry. Um, and so, you know, a lot of his questions to me um, were, were kind of like, why do you think that you have this better? How have you been able to impact the fitness industry and steal market share away from these bigger companies? Um, and what I was telling them was, it, it's like a lot of businesses, you know, you look at how Netflix came along or how a lot of these companies come along is a lot of these businesses focus on preservation of their current business model, as opposed to what the true customer or client wants or what the advancements are to allow them to better provide a service. And that was me the whole time was I started in fitness at 16 years old as a personal trainer at 24 hour fitness. Um, I did that because I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and Raynaud's, which is a circulatory disorder. And uh, as a guy, that doesn't like to listen. The doctor told me you'll never exercise. So what I did is I went in the garage and for the first time I picked up a set of rusty old weights that my dad had. Um, and I did exactly what I was told not to do. And through some trial and error, I noticed that my flare ups went away and I started to feel better and I just fell in love with fitness. On top of that, I really loved the, uh, the ability to shape your body and, and the other things that provided it just was really interesting to me. So the kid that didn't like school was never the first one to raise his hand. I found myself picking up books and reading books on this subject when you couldn't get me to read a book on anything else. And I just truly loved what fitness had to offer. So at 16 years old, uh, I was just dropping out of high school. I was living on my own with grown adults uh, in Eastside Lancaster in a rough area. Um, and I had to use a fake ID to get my, my first job at 24 Hour Fitness because at that time you had to be 18 years old. So other guys are using this fake ID to go out and meet girls at the club. And here I am using it to get a job as a trainer. Um, I'm pretty sure I still used it for, uh, to meet a few girls too, but mainly it was, ma it was mainly for, mainly for the job. Um, and so, it, you know, that's kind of how it started. And it just, every, every spot that I worked at, all they cared about was how many supplements you sold somebody, what, you know, how many, how many packages you sold. And today here I am, I will not say that it, that the numbers don't matter at, 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 you know, any business you have to reach certain goals. But what I realized was the, what you were providing, if you provided enough value to people, you had to focus so much less on that bottom line. You had to focus so much less on the sales because they came a lot more naturally. Um, and that's really what drove me to do this is none of them would do that. They wouldn't focus one meeting on the client's results. They wouldn't focus one meeting on what we could, how we could enhance the experience for the member. There was, and when I say not one meeting, I, I mean that very literally out of all the years that I managed and trained in every department of every gym that I ever worked at, I never had one meeting that was focused on the clients or the customers ever. And so it just made me say, screw it. I'm going to go out. I have, no funding, no education, no idea what I'm doing. And I just went to a park, took my, my mom was my first client with my wife, my now wife. And I had to have my mom, my mom was a hundred pounds overweight. And I literally told her, I said, mom, look, I'm going to look absolutely crazy running around this park with no clients. Like I need you to pretend you're a client. So my mom was like a mole. She would be running around with somebody and be like, isn't this great? Like, isn't this guy really good? <laughs> and so I had mom kind of like secretly trying to sell for me the one client at a time I'd be trying to get. Um, and, you know, there were obviously a million hardships, but, uh, you know, the thing that I came to value was the same thing that drove me to that place, which was every one client that showed up to that park was so incredibly valuable. That person 
could change whether or not I was going to make my car payment. That person could change whether or not I was going to put a, a present under the Christmas tree. And I, and, and we started in 2008 during the recession. And so I loved starting at that point because that really taught me the value of somebody's money is that person's money is important to them as it is to you. And you have to provide enough value to earn the right to get that money and you have to value it as such. And, uh, I think that that really helped me a lot was because it was, it was all about giving and providing enough value. And then it was about valuing that person's business uh, to a point to where you never took it for granted or saw them as just another number. I, I want to stop you there for one second. Cause you said you were in the park in 2008. Yeah. It's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> that's, tw that's 12 years. So you went from being in a park with like your mom to like, I know you got a Ferrari. I know how big yeah. your house is. Cause I know you're a realtor. <laughs> It's not me, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I know how many gyms you have. In, in your wildest dreams, back in that park in 2008, would you, looking at where you're at now, would you have ever thought that in less than, in 12, in less than 12 years that you'd be there? No, no, for sure not. And that's, you know what, I think that's, the, I love that you asked that because that's the, uh, one of the hugest things that holds people back, I think, from, from reaching for something is if you ask somebody who's struggling to put dinner on the table, to dream to be where they where they wouldn't even dare to dream today that they, they feel like it's irrational and they feel like it's crazy because it is and that's not how we work as people yeah. we work by saying how do i accomplish the how do i fix the problem in front of me and that's really how i worked was you know i never my mom used to say you're gonna have gyms all over and i i would tell her to stop and be quiet because it almost frustrated me i was like look i can't even eat today like let's <laughs> slow down with the the world takeover talk like let me just try to figure out how i could buy a pizza and not have to ask for your debit card number um so you know that that really was it is i set small goals and i, I made the decision when i left the corporate gyms is i made a very clear decision to say uh, I think that I could provide something and I could make something of this, but if I don't and I never make great money, I'm okay doing something that I love forever and just, just making a decent living. So I remember my biggest financial goal when we reached a few milestones was to gross $10,000 a month. So that wasn't including expenses or anything else, but to say, if I saw $10,000 a month come through the bank account, I would be really, really happy. Um, and I was, you know, when we reached that goal, we had dinner and it was an amazing thing. And that's, I think the amazing thing about, uh, reach setting goals and holding yourself accountable to working and doing what's needed to reach them is without knowing it, you really start building this amazing snowball effect because you reach that goal and it's just natural to set the next one. Even if it's small, even if you set, it's just five feet in front of you before you know it, those 12 years have gone by. And like I said, I wake up and I feel like I'm in someone else's house because it isn't one goal. It's a thousand goals between being at the park and where we are now. And it's a natural occurrence because you reach that goal and if you love what you're doing, you want to make it better. You want to get, you want to reach the next person and you, you want to try to expand what you're doing and you just do. Yeah, absolutely. You are in somebody else's house. You're in my house and I need you to get out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 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 so this is a question that, that people have asked, that, that have asked me a lot about like, wh like, what am I doing? Cause this, we're in this whole quarantine thing right now. Like, what are you doing every day? How are you? And I mean, I, I do a lot of TikTok videos. I don't know if you've seen my TikTok I, videos. I just saw your TikTok videos. I got I to gotta say, dude, like, I always joke about any of my friends that are, like, over 18, like, you shouldn't be doing TikTok, but you actually killed a TikTok video. <laughs> you got mad TikTok game. So, so my question is, what, is, what does Larry do locked down in his house during quarantine? Like, what's your daily routine? 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of crazy is I'm, I, I almost do the same stuff that I did before. I was working on an, uh, an artificial intelligence machine learning program that would be implemented into group fitness. Um, and this gave me a lot of time to work on that. So I've been working on that a lot and we're just to the point of filing patents for it. Um, I'm, you know, I, 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 again, really enjoy all of the aspects of our business. So when you give me more time, I'm going to find 50 new things to work on. So uh, I think that's why a lot of, a lot of our franchisees or other people are like, wow, you, you seem unaffected. I definitely have the same fears and, you know, same thoughts everyone else has, but I, I am so busy doing other things that, uh, that it just feels more normal to me because I'm going through the normal patterns of working on things and progressing. Um, and the other thing is, I always said that if I had any time, I would love to focus on more time of just like sitting in our movie room with my wife and spending time because we work together, but we're so stressed and in so many different places that we don't really have quality time. So uh, I never watch TV series or anything. Like I don't have a TV show normally. And we started watching Ozarks um, and just spending time in the movie room. So, um, you know, I don't know how this is going to end for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic and I have a lot of great plans for it. But regardless, I, I will be able to look back and say that I really enjoyed the time that I spent during the quarantine. I feel closer than ever to my wife. I've accomplished, you know, literally I have 50 working items of things that I really wanted time to work on that I've, that I've gotten uh, accomplished or the ball rolling on. So um, those things have helped keep me sane and keep me feeling more like a normal daily routine. So and that, that, that is a very, um, it, it, I talk about with my office, cause I, I run a, a real estate office um, of about 200 agents and I've run offices in Santa Clarita and so on and so forth. And in the last eight years, I think that you've probably experienced this in your business is that, you know, I've broken recruiting records. I've broken financial records. I've crushed my business and we felt this tremendous growth through numbers, through finances. And I think right now that a lot of people don't understand that growth happens in a lot of different ways. So being stuck at home, the, the financial growth and the numbers growth are, are being put on hold right now. But right now, I'm seeing the opportunity to grow as a person, to grow mentally, to grow with your family. And growth happens in different ways. And so it sounds like you are embracing that as well. And that's what I'm trying to educate all my agents and all the people around me. It's like you, you need to not focus on one aspect of growth because that aspect of growth will not happen if you don't have the other because you have to be uncomfortable to grow and you have to grow as a person first before you can grow in other ways. Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it, there's a good reason why you lead so many different people. It, you know, the advice you're giving is, is awesome. And what I love about it is it, there's a lot of people saying one part to the equation now, but it leaves a lot of other people feeling like they're missing the rest, which is you need to take this time to accomplish all of these things, or you need to take this time to do this or that. And so, you know, we have a, a page of 3000 of our clients that do the live streaming workouts with us. And I try to contribute to them more than just fitness and try to give them mindset and kind of give them a little direction during this time. And that's what I actually just hit on this morning was telling them I had them all put a post or a comment under one of my posts that were saying something positive they took from this. Now, not something that they accomplished or something that was constructive, you know, as far as financially. Um, and there were a lot of those things spread out. People saying that I've practiced patience and that I've, that I've spent more time with my kids or that I got back to um, a regular routine of daily cooking meals as a family that we haven't done in over 10 years. And so what I was trying to show them is those things are massive accomplishments because like you said, is the foundation of where you're trying to go is built on more things than 
what's on paper. You know, it's not just the, the amount of services that you offer or the amount of sales that you had last month. Um, it's where's your headspace? How, how, how happy are you and productive are you as an overall individual, as a person? And this is an amazing time to do that. I am the most happy and most dangerous person in the room when I feel really good with my family, when I feel really good with my wife, when all of those things are firing, I'm a very dangerous person. But this time it has allowed me to focus on that. And if I hadn't, um, and just focus on the business aspects, I think I would have missed out on a lot that I could have taken from this. Yeah, I think the foundation of self-confidence is the happiness with yourself and with the people that you have around, around you. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, is that they have a lot of false self-confidence out there. And that's because a lot of people truly aren't happy with themselves and you have to make yourself happy for you, before you can make anybody else happy. So I think that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty powerful advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you saying too, is uh, I think that a lot of that comes from the first part, which is trying to, uh, it is the accomplishment part and uh, any, you know, me coming from being broke when I was a kid, money was the way to fix your problems because mom had no money and she was always stressed and crying. And so to me as a kid, connecting the dots was get money, be happier, get money, don't cry like mom. Um, and so as I started to get older and started to get money, I started to realize it didn't make me happier. <laughs> um, it made me happier to be able to pay my bills. Um, but that's the reason I stepped away from my other job doing PR at 23 and went into to starting my business and was willing to sell my cars and downsize and go back to an apartment was I said this before this gets away from me, I have to go back to doing something that I love because you're absolutely right is you get this false self-confidence of other people's appreciation of what you have. And you never stop to ask, do you truly appreciate it? You know? And I think this is that time to really stop and do that and say, what are the things I want to fix in my life? Not, not what are the things that I should be fixing, but what are the things that I would like to see come out of this? Is it a, a month of rest and relaxation to be less stressed? Is it more time with the kids or whatever? And yeah, I think to your point is it's definitely fixes that false confidence when you're focusing on the things that truly make you happy. So, so you said you guys didn't have a lot of money when you were a kid. I, my, when I was a kid, I was, my mom was on welfare. And yeah. where, where, was yours too? Well, she was too, too proud to be on welfare for long. She did it one time, but she thought she was like above doing that. So it was just, it was like almost worse than welfare. What's funny though, is I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't realize that where we were then until I got older. And I like, I, we got these big blocks of government cheese and like, that's usually a joke, but those yep. are like the most awesome things that I ever had yep. when I was a kid. I remember that. And it's just, yep. it, it's just crazy. Um, so a lot of people are like just stuck in their house and I'm seeing, I'm seeing just crazy. Like I, I call all my agents I talk to all my agents and everything. So if somebody wants to like work out, and like, what, what advice would you give people that like, because I know, actually, I want to pull this back a little bit. You did a little rant on Facebook that I really appreciated about gyms that were still charging people. And I, I think the day after that, my gym hit my credit card and I was like, what is that shit? Like, what is that? Right. Like, are you serious right now? Like $120. And I'm like, and then I'm messaging them. I'm like, Hey, you know, can we put this on hold? Blah, blah, blah. And I got crickets and I'm yep. like, which, you know, me is I never, you know, I, I really, really, really believe in utilizing social media for education and positivity, save the rants and your bullshit for yourself. And I don't think that it's a great platform to share negativity, but I do think there's a time where something perceived as negative can be educational and can be setting, can be waking people up to an issue that there is. So I very, very rarely do that, but that was one of those times where I did. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, 
I know that we're all in a really hard spot and uh, you know, we all want self-preservation, but everybody right now is saying this time will make us or break us. Look, the reality is we already are who we are. This time is exposing us. We've already, the stuff that made us who we are is already passed. This moment now is what's, what's lifting up the veil and showing who we truly are. You can't hide from it anymore. So all your bullshit about who you are, who, who you care for, who your family is, are they now? Are you helping? Are you taking toilet paper from them, or are you making sure they have some? And this this was a time where I was really disappointed because our industry, that's the, the, especially the smaller gyms like the, like that we are in, always talk about family, the culture, how they care about the people, and they disappointed me greatly because when the moment came for me to make a decision when we were closing our doors, there wasn't one second. I was driving in from another state. I got the phone call that there's going to be a lockdown, and we were told. Uh, you know, and basically I said, look, you've got like maybe five minutes for us to compose all this and send it out to the, the franchisees by midnight. Um, and we got it. Is this going to be uh, company wide? Is this just going to be location specific? That's that's susceptible to this. And so I thought for, you know, 30 seconds on the phone, I said, you know what, for the safety of our employees and everybody else, we don't know what this is. We're going to close every location. We're going to freeze every membership. Anybody that's already paid in the last X amount of days is going to get full credit towards their membership when we open. So they're not going to lose any days. Um, these were all very common sense things. They, they came on the fly. We rolled it out and it was done. And the reason why it was common sense is because charging somebody for something that they can't use simply because you need the money is always the wrong thing to do and never makes any sense. Um, and it really pissed me off that so many people were making excuses for those people saying, well, my gym is struggling. Dude, so are you. You probably don't have a job. There's all these other people don't have jobs. So why is it okay for me to take your money because I'm struggling when I know you're all in an epidemic and struggling too? It's my job as the person who cares for you to do what's right by you. And then I figure out my own financial situation. That's the way I explained it to my franchisees, to my staff. They all were 110% on board. There wasn't one of my franchisees, which I'm very proud of. We, we all, you know, having franchisees, we butt heads on certain issues. I told every one of them, you're closing your doors by midnight tonight with a few hours notice, and you're not going to collect $1 in dues. And while I don't always see eye to eye with all my franchisees, they all started this business for the right reason. And not one of them argued with me. They all said that's the right decision. And so, you know, it really upset me to see people to this day still charging these members. And the only thing I wanted people to see is if you're going somewhere because you want people to care about you, then this is your time to wake up and see who truly cares because these people, when it comes down to it, when it's you or them, they're taking your money, even if you don't have a job and then they're shutting off the call center and they're, they're doing nothing to help anybody. So yeah, I mean, uh, somebody that came into this business because of passion and helping people, um, regardless of the level of my business and understanding numbers, uh, I just think that it, there's never a right time to do something like that. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Uh, one, one of my favorite quotes, I think it came from Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not sure, but he's like adverts at, Adversity introduces you to yourself. Yep, hundred percent. Uh, and 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 the fact that I mean I don't want to keep going back to this is you started your business in two thousand and eight. I mean you started in a recession, and it's just like that says a lot about where you're at today. Because I think and and I'm seeing because with like a month and a half ago when all this started rolling, I I pulled my mortgage people back and I said, listen, there's something happening here that nobody's paying attention to. It's like if everybody's getting shut down and everybody's not paying their bills and all this is happening. I go, there's over a trillion dollars in equity in the United States. I said, all of that's going to start getting eaten up. People start doing forbearances. I said, we're going to have a housing crisis here and nobody's paying attention to it. And it's just like, 
I didn't, I saw the opportunity for fear, but I also saw the opportunity for opportunity because there is going to be a tremendous amount of growth that comes out of this. And I think one of our leadership in our company said, it's going to be like, we're pulling the bow back and we're going to let it go when all this is over. And there's going to create an amazing amount of opportunity in our life. It's just going to be different. Right. And two things to your, your point is the ability, you know, even though I started in the recession, you had mentioned you came, came up from in, in hard times as well when you were younger. Um, and I think that really creates a certain uh, eye for opportunity when you don't have any and you realize that they don't come along very often. You're one of those people that the people that I always talk to to go, hey, I see you. You saw that when I did. And that was way early. Those people usually they were brought up hard, you know, and they realize that if you want something out of life, you have to realize that opportunity rarely ever knocks on the door. Most of the time you got to go chase it down. And if it does, you better be able to see it coming and be prepared for what you're going to say when you open the door. Um, And so for us is we were the day that we locked down, we had launched our live streaming because I'd already been working on it weeks before. So I saw as this was happening, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I saw the possibility of a lockdown when everyone else was saying it was crazy. I'm like, it very well may be. But if it happens, I'm going to be ready to put, push the button on this live streaming workout. And so everyone was shocked. They're like, this just got announced and you already are offering these live streaming workouts. I'm like, well, because for two weeks we've been working on this. And so I think that's a huge thing too, is to take away from this is people to start really being careful to look for opportunity. Um, and it doesn't even have to mean that you believe in that something is going to happen to be prepared if it does. You know, I even told my other, my other franchisees that I'm good friends with, I said, look, I don't know. I, I don't have any, maybe this goes away next week. Maybe the, the news comes on and says it, it, there was nothing to it. But if it happens, I'm going to make sure that I protect mine and all of you and make sure that we're in a good position to offer something to our clients so that we can all come out in a better place. And the other thing that you had mentioned um, was the opportunity for fear or opportunity. And there was a huge thing that I learned with some of the top salespeople that I worked with. I never really liked sales. And it was because the way that they were teaching me was when we would talk to somebody about medical history, they would talk to us about how you make them feel if they don't commit to this today, they're going to die and their kids are going to bury them. And it's a big fitness sales, uh, you know, sales pitch. Um, And it works very well, but I always hated it. And so I rewrote, I wrote our sales manual in a completely opposite direction, which is giving them a high five and saying, congratulations on being here today to try to figure out a way to fix it. And so while it's not the traditional approach, I prefer that to where instead of using fear to get people to commit to something or giving you money is using positivity and giving them the opportunity to feel good about the decision that they're going to make. So I think that we all have that opportunity, whatever business we have right now, we can look at this as an opportunity to take advantage of people that are scared or provide them with a value and make them feel good about the decision they're going to make. And that's really why I've spent so much time adding value to my business is when the doors open, I want to be one of those businesses that they're really happy to continue spending money with, even if they're kind of scared to spend money because I've given them positivity and I've given them a lot of value and they want to give me their business. That's, that's, that's amazing. And I think, you know, a lot of people want to be associated with business owners that have that type of mindset. I mean, what makes, what makes you so special though, to, to do everything that you're doing to come from where you came to where you're at. Um, I have this theory that, you know, everybody's like, you know, that person's special or that person had this or that. I I believe that everybody on this planet is ordinary until they make the decision to do otherwise. It's like, I have this thing called the ordinary project and it's just like, everybody's ordinary. There's nobody special. It's like, you get to decide when you want to be extraordinary. And, you know, like that, that guy in the park, 
Like what made you special in that park? Yeah. The funny thing is I, I say a lot of the same thing because now, obviously now I get asked, I get asked that a lot, you know, 12 years ago, there were very few people asking what makes you special <laughs> other than my mom, you know, mom would say you're special. Um, but the, the funny thing is one of my franchisees in Florida, he has the whole Florida region. He was one of my best friends in high school. And we talk about it now a lot because in high school, there was a, a whole group of people talking at a party and I wasn't there. And they all talked about who they thought was going to be most successful out of our class. They all named all these different people and uh, he ended up naming me and the whole rest of the party was spent with them making fun of him for even suggesting me. And that was like the, the whole, the whole party was just like, how stupid could you be? And so what I always say is there's something extraordinary about everybody. And most of the time they are the last one to see it. Um, and the way that they find it is by finding a combination of what, what they were born, what talents they were born with and what things that they're passionate about. If you can find a combination of those two things, you start to see it. But you'll notice that is there's always that something about somebody that you're friends with that you're like, it's, it's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary thing about them. Now, it just might be that thing that's because they're your friend. But there is a way in life to apply that to something, whether it's they're that, real, that social butterfly and maybe they find a, a niche in marketing or sales or public relations, how they connect to people. Um, it's really trying to figure out what is that that you were born with that you're really good at, that thing that people see in you, um, even if you don't necessarily see it yet, and that thing that you really want to wake up in the morning and do. Because a lot of people say you don't have to be passionate about what you do to be successful. And I agree with that. I have friends that do not love what they do and they make money. But I always say, if I took that same guy who makes money now and is successful, and, I, and I, he applied that same work ethic to what he's passionate about, he'd be 10 times more successful. So yeah, I, I think that what makes somebody special is already kind of there. It's a matter of finding it. And then for me was the, the resilience. Uh, it, that's the one thing I tell people. I wasn't the first one to raise my hand in class. Um, I just am, I, I'm really, really fucking tough to kill. And so, you know, when you can just, I just get my ass kicked every day and people joke and they, they literally, my friends will hashtag Larry luck. I, everybody says, how, how are you so lucky? And anyone that knows me goes, he is not lucky. If anything can go wrong, it goes wrong. Um, and everyone's amazed. Like all my close friends are like, what's more amazing is that you've made it this far with everything going wrong. Um, I'm just very resilient. And uh, when I want something, I'm like a dog with a bone and I'll just, I'll just get the crap kicked out of me day in and day out until I get it. So uh, I would say that would be the, the special sauce. I wish it were that I was really tall, dark and handsome or had something other that was really cool. Um, but it really, I, I, when I look at all the things that I'm really honest with myself, I think I'm a fairly intelligent guy and there's other things that, that, are, that are fairly good. Nothing extraordinary though, but the one thing that really has held me out has been that um, when I want something, I'm, I'm just resilient and I'll just take the pain until I get there. And I, I think that a lot of this comes back to what, what I think that a lot of people's, your, your success, my success, and a lot of people that are successful, the one thing that separates everybody and that actually makes the difference is, is mindset. And, and I can't yep. actually even, even create, I mean, mindset. And then it's like work ethic. And then there's all these things that come after it. But if you don't have the mindset in the beginning to be, to, to almost be dumb enough to think that you can do something that everybody else thinks you can do. If you're that dumb to say, I'm so stupid, I think I can do that. And then you just go forward and you do it. Yep. That's the hugest thing is, I tell people all the time is yes, you should do research. You should spend your time, you do your due diligence. But really at the end of the day is, you know, I tell everybody, most of my greatest accomplishments started with me saying, fuck it. 
And I, I just, that's it. Everyone goes, I don't know. And you know what? Everyone starts complicating it and there's marker boards out and spreadsheets. And I'm, I, I, when I feel it and it's something I think I can get done, I just say, fuck it. And I just tell everybody go. And a lot of the company honestly doesn't like me for it. Um, they feel that I roll things out quickly. I'm always trying to do things. But when they look back, they're always happy because they're like, wow, this changed our business for the better. Um, and I do, I, I agree with you is you have to have that mindset and that confidence in yourself that just because you don't know how to do it today, doesn't mean that you aren't willing to put in the work and the, and you don't have the ability to figure it out tomorrow. And that's just such an important thing because people that would sit down today and go, why would I open a, this shop or this type of business? I, yeah, I love it. And I think that I have those skills, but I don't know what it entails. Figure it out. Willing, willingness to fail. Yeah. Figure, figure it out for the next day or week or whatever. And then once, once you figure it out that much of it, that'll get you started. Now, while you've got it started, figure out what you got to do the next step, the next step, the next step, you know, now is, you know, we've got, over a dozen pieces of patented fitness equipment. And there are very few businesses in the world that have ever patented fitness equipment. If you look for actual fitness equipment patents, they're very limited. Um, and I don't have an engineering degree. I literally still have the envelopes that I sketched them out on. And then I thought to myself, now I got this, how does this get to the next step? And so that really is just how it works is be willing to express what you're thinking or feeling or think would bring value and get it onto paper or get it into somebody else's head and then start to see how does that evolve to now what's step two. And there might be 6,000 steps, but yeah. start with one and just go to step two and have, have the bravery and the willingness to fail, like you said, and just start with that first step and you'll be surprised how it evolves. Yeah. And I mean, so like if you fast forward everything to today, um, you know, I know my office, um, I have 13,000 square foot real estate office that is 100% shut down. You know, I'm negotiating with my landlord. Um, I have 200 agents that I'm uh, actually like to, to the gym concept is like I said, you know what, you guys don't pay, don't pay your rent. Don't pay your office rent. Don't, I, I don't want any of your money. Do what you, and I'm like doing videos and webinars on like how to remargin your business, how to remargin your finances and doing all of these different things. Like in your business with, with what you have going on, you built all this up since 2008. Like what are you telling um, your business partners and your clients and like where are you at right now and where do you see this going in the future? Yeah, I mean, obviously some of the same things that everyone's talking about, which is you have to figure out how you're going to reduce your overhead or how you're going to, you know, a, a lot of those same practical business applications, obviously I, I'm, I'm talking to our businesses about. Um, I'm talking about them now. I've had them all cross training on every area of their business to make sure that they're capable to step in to reduce overhead so they could fill whatever shoes we, we think they should be filling a lot of that kind of stuff. But a few of the things that I don't see hit on enough or kind of what we hit on earlier, which is providing more value, because uh, again, I do think that there are going to be people that obviously lose their job and they just eliminate all of these things completely. Uh, there's going to be people that whose wife or husband lost their job. There's all that kind of collateral damage. But there's the other group that people aren't really thinking about, which are the people that haven't been directly affected by that, but are still scared to spend money. And they're still worried about what is to come. Is the other shoe going to drop? And what's this going to be? Those people are all going to be in a place where they're going to sit down and look at all the things they spend money on, and they're going to choose what gets to stay. And so what I think a lot of business owners have to do right now is while you're trying to eliminate what you're spending money on, be very careful at asking how much value does that provide to the customer or the client? Because if you eliminate that, you could easily be putting yourself on the cutting block unknowingly. So be very careful with that. And at the same time, ask how many different ways you can add value without necessarily spending money or putting yourself in a, in a harder financial position. 
you really want to make sure that right now during this tryout, you're one of the people that makes the first round pick. You want to be in there when these people are looking through those budgets, they go, I can't cut this. This is one of those things that they're not only were they great before, but they're doing all these great things now. And I really want to be on board with them. Um, so it could be anything if you can afford to give a discount for the next few months so that they don't feel the financial pressure. If it could be an added service, if it could literally just be a peace of mind, it could, you know, for us as we sat as owners and, and text message every one of our members just asking how they were. Um, there could be a lot of those things, but I really encourage people right now in, in business is don't just look at how you can cut your bottom line. Really ask what you can do for your customers, your clients, or for the service that you provide so that you can end up making it through to the other side. Um, and the other thing is focusing on, on your staff and stuff too, is a lot of those people, um, they're looking at it as I might just make more money being unemployed right now. You know, how, if you're going to cut that many hours and how is this going to work? Um, so looking at it from their standpoint and their perspective too, to make sure that they're feeling the love and that they understand the things that you're going to try to provide so that you can build this back together. Um, because if you have great staff, you obviously don't want to be in a position to where you're, you're trying to fill those shoes right now as well uh, with everything else going on. So those are, those are kind of the things we're doing. Like I said, the, the traditional stuff, cutting, unneeded expenses, reformatting our business, seeing how we can provide our live streaming workouts continuously after this so that the members can continue to benefit from those. Um, but yeah, the main thing that I would say that I don't hear enough people talking about is, is adding, adding more value. Have you, uh, have you read Gary Vaynerchuk's book, uh, Crush It? No. So I, that was one of, the, one of my, so I started reading a book a month and I started that back in like 2010. And he was one of the first books that I read and um, he did the one thing that it, it, chapter 11 was one word. And it's the one thing that you're talking about in your business that I think is the most powerful thing. And it's, it's, it's how I recruit agents. It's how I retain agents. And he said, chapter 11 care. That's it. Just one yep. word care. And he moved on to chapter 12. And I was like, that is, that is amazing and not amazing all at the same time. It's because it's, sh that should be natural that that's what you should do. And that's, I think, I think if I had to attribute anything to your success is that you actually cared about what you did and you cared about the people you did it with and you cared about the people who bought into what you did and you did everything you can to provide value for them. And to me, that's one of the reasons why you're so successful. It's like, you have no reason to be on a video call with me right now. It's just like, you have this special thing about you that, you know, people see that you care. And I think that's really, really super important. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you mention it because during our franchise training, uh, it comes up on the slideshow and it says giving a shit matters. And yep. so it's very not uh, politically correct, but I, I literally go through the franchise training where I tell them that whether or not you're one of those feel, feel good type of people, whether you like to equate it to finances or anything else, I try to explain to them that uh, while it should come from a genuine place, it needs to come from somewhere because in this day of social media and everything else is you will be exposed for who you are eventually. The bigger you get or the more successful you get, who you want to be or want people to see you as, the old days are over where you can do one newspaper article and they write up a puff piece on you. Now you're exposed in every way. If you really want to be seen as somebody who, who gives a shit, step up and give a shit, do something. And so the greatest things that we've had from our business came from, so like, you know, our, this was a couple months ago. We had a guy that came out to interview from Florida with, uh, with the guy who owns all of our franchises in San Diego. So he flew out there, interviewed to be a trainer. The, our owner of all the franchises picked him up from the airport. He was super surprised. Like this dude, I thought I was interviewing with a GM and the owner of all the franchises picked me up, spent the whole weekend with him. Um, 
the guy ended up loving it so much. He relocated with one suitcase to a hotel room to be a trainer. Um, and then I came out to do a, a, a big training that we had there and I hadn't met him. I didn't know who he was. And I met him and he was the nicest guy. He was running out on the street to talk to people about hardcore fitness that while we were in the meeting, he's out there running. He's just like, he was so enthusiastic about it. Um, and when we left, I, I was talking to my sister who does a lot of operations for us. And I said, man, I really love this dude. His energy was so good. He was so positive. He spent so much time with each one of these new prospective members. He really took the time to get to know them and their goals. Um, and she said, yeah, it's crazy. He has no money and messed up on his paycheck. So the payroll company didn't pay him and he's out of money for the next two weeks. So I hit up our franchise owner and said, Hey, give, give this dude 2000 bucks. Um, and just to get him by and you know, don't, you don't have to tell him who it's from or whatever, just give him the money. Um, and so our franchise owner gave it to him and the dude was so appreciative that for weeks he was hounding him asking who gave it to him. Um, and he finally told him that, that it was me. And now without me trying to do any trying to get any press for it without our franchise you know our franchise or wasn't posting that he was doing these nice things and driving around town this dude has spent months telling everybody how this is the best company in the world and look at all these things we did and the reality is when you do something without expecting anything return or you don't ask for it people want to give back it's that law of reciprocation they go you helped me i want to tell the world that this is a good company so i do think in times like this the people that are charging people that shouldn't be are going to be noticed for it. But the people that go out that extra mile to do the right thing and still care for their members and text them and do those kind of things, they're, they're also going to be noticed. So you have an opportunity right now is what side of the fence are you going to be on? 100%. 100%. So as everybody's sitting at home and we're all sitting on the couch eating ice cream and doing <laughs> TikTok videos, like what, what, what health, what, what workout and diet advice would you give people right now that are just like, it's easy to go for a run around the block and it's also easy to sit on the couch and do nothing. Yeah. Watch I mean, we'll be honest, the two biggest obstacles right now are accountability and the food. So I can get it, you know, anybody could go online and find a workout right now. You know, that's, they could find it. Now it's a matter of, are you going to do it? And are you going to eat a cake afterwards? Um, so what I try to tell people is at this moment, we, we fear a little bit less the, uh, the initial fear that the grocery stores were going to close and we were all weren't going to have food. So if you don't have to buy, you know, 7 million boxes of macaroni and cheese, don't do that. Try, try to get rid of that temptation a little bit. So like I had done for our people, as I showed, I have the big storage, uh, like trash cans that are for like our earthquake kits. I put all my bad food in there and taped it up and had it in the garage. I said, look, this is out of sight, out of mind, and it prevents me from snacking on it. So if you can eliminate some of those temptations, that's going to be good. Um, the other thing is accountability. Whatever workout you do, try to do Zoom, try to do something else um, with somebody that you want to work out with. So I've got some of my clients where I pair them up. They do our live streaming workouts, but again, just having access to a workout doesn't do it if you don't actually do it. So what they do is they commit to a time where they Zoom each other, they can see each other, they have to meet at that time to see the class, and they can see each other working hard. They're not there drinking their coffee, just typing what a good workout. Um, so that would be my suggestion is honestly, there's a lot of different workouts that are good, some that are better than others, diets that are better than others. But at this moment, if you can eliminate some of that temptation and put better foods in front of you, and if you can do a workout that you can be accountable to with somebody else, you're going to find much better success. So my question to you is, how do I come out of this quarantine looking like you? Oh, yeah. I mean, right now, I definitely don't look as I normally do. <laughs> is that I, why uh, you're in a dark room? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why. I didn't want to say it. Really, this isn't the movie room. This is my room of shame. Uh, but <laughs> but they, uh, when we started the quarantine, I actually was enjoying the, the downtime, and I was pounding pizza all day. I gained 10 pounds the first week. Um, 
So we, when we started a 30-day quarantine challenge with all of our uh, live stream members, so we've got like 3,000 people doing it, um, and I promised them I would do it with them. So the first week, I lost 10 pounds. The next week, I struggled, didn't lose any weight. Now this week, I'll, I'll probably have lost like five pounds. So I'll probably come out, come out in decent shape, but the reason I'm giving the advice is because that's what's worked for me, is the accountability of me knowing that I'm having to post a picture of the scale for them every week makes me really not want to disappoint them. And that's the same aspect as if you guys, you guys find somebody else that you're going to do that with, you're going to think twice. If you want to go grab the Oreos, you're like, man, you know, Mike's really going to be disappointed in me when we send each other our scale numbers next week. So if you can find something like that, it definitely makes you think twice. <laughs> That's too funny. That's too funny. Uh, so, so if somebody wants to connect with you and do online workouts with your, with your um, gym, how, how do they connect with you and how do, how do you make that happen? Yeah. So they could just go to hardcorefitnessinc.com, hardcorefitnessbootcamp.com. If you just Google hardcore fitness, uh, hardcore fitness bootcamp, any of our websites uh, come up to different specific locations. You just sign up through the website um, and it'll take you to our Facebook page, uh, which is uh, hardcore fitness live stream team. Um, and so we all, we all stay on there. We have individual location teams. So even if you're not a part of our gym, it, whatever city you're in, we'll add you to that, to that city group. So you have those subset teams in there that do extra things as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's 1999 a month and, uh, we have diets on there. We do weekly challenges where we give away prizes. Um, so we'll post up little, like, you know, two minute workout challenges, whoever participates will be in for a raffle for, for protein powder, or other things. So we do a bunch of stuff just to try to keep people active. Um, so it, it's a fun deal and it's, it's one solution that, that people could consider. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I would love to talk to you. I'm, you and I could probably talk all day if we wanted to, but Forever. I know you have yeah. things to do. Um, I got a, I got a dog running around upstairs that's barking its head <laughs> off right now. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for this time. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah. is there anything you wanted to say before we wrap everything up? No, thanks for having me on. And yeah, definitely. Let's, uh, let's try to do something again later and, uh, we'll hit on some other stuff. Like you said, I'm sure we could talk forever. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. And if you guys need anything, your family needs anything, feel free to reach out. Um, I hope everything's going well and, um, you know, thank you again. Awesome. Thanks, Frank. Have a good one over there. You too. Bye-bye.